Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. Call me Shawalia. U.S. President Joe Biden tells us all during an historic address on day two of his visit to Ireland. He also hailed stronger and stronger relations between the two countries on a day of diplomacy in Dublin. Possibilities. We believe anything is possible. We set our mind to it and we do it together. This is the United States of America and Ireland. And I'm here live at Dublin Castle where President Joe Biden is being honoured at a state banquet. Later in the show, broadcaster Stephen Byrne shares his recent immigration story to Australia and why so many young Irish people continue to leave these shores. You can join our conversation online with your comments and your questions on the hashtag TonightBMTV. U.S. President Joe Biden is at Dublin Castle tonight for a state dinner in his honour on the second day of his visit here. Well, earlier at Leinster House, he addressed at both houses of the Oireachtas and spoke of the important links between Ireland and America. His day started in the Phoenix Park in Dublin for separate meetings with President Higgins and the Taoiseach, Leo Varadkar. Can you define America for me? It's the God's truth. I said, yes, I can, in one word. But if you asked me about Ireland, I could have said the same thing. One word. Possibilities. We believe anything is possible if we set our mind to it and we do it together. This is the United States of America and Ireland. There's nothing beyond our capacity if we do it together. And we've got to believe that. We've got to know that, because that's the history of both our countries. Well, Keira Doherty is live at Dublin Castle for us tonight, where that state banquet for President Biden is taking place. Kira. It is indeed. Uh, thanks, Claire. It was a long day for the president. He was running a little bit behind schedule, but at about quarter to nine this evening, uh, President Joe Biden and his entourage uh, entered Dublin Castle, where they were met by on Taoiseach Leo Radker. Uh, both men moved into Dublin Castle, where they addressed uh, waiting dignitaries, including former President Mary Robinson and former Tisha Endy and uh, Kenny and uh, also Bertie Ahern, who was in attendance. But I suppose the real focal point, and I think the um, part of today that will generate the most conversation, is that joint address to the uh, houses of the Oireachtas this afternoon. So to analyse that in a bit more detail, I'm delighted to be joined by Larry Donnelly, uh, law lecturer at the University of Galway, and by Nick Robertson, CNN's international diplomatic editor. You are both very welcome to the programme. Let's start with that wide-ranging speech which I do think is probably the highlight of today, Laurie. It was emotional, it was warm, it was humorous at times, lots of personal anecdotes, but also some quite strong political messages. So 
What stood out for you? Well, this, I, I suppose, above all, this has been a personal and a political trip, and the speech melded both of those elements. It was a forward-looking speech in many respects, which I suppose Joe Biden's fond of telling stories about the old days, but he still has his mind on the future. I thought it was interesting we talked about inflection points and society being at a crossroads in many ways because of technology. But if you ask me the one moment that perhaps stood out or was most pointed was his reference to the United Kingdom. And whereas he was mo much more nuanced and soft-pedaling, I think, in his, his speech in Belfast, he said pointedly that he wished the United Kingdom would cooperate or could be more involved or be more constructive. Words to that effect. Uh, and I thought that was quite a pointed reference. Uh, and again, you, one wonders, given how careful and methodical and nuanced the language was in Belfast, in view of that language and also in view uh, of the unfortunate slip of the tongue he made with respect to the black and tans, whether some of the, I suppose, credibility or some of the, uh, you know, views in the unionist community, which I think were softened to some extent yesterday, might have hardened again. Yeah, uh, it was very interesting, I have to say, Nick, given mm. the fact that the White House had to come out yesterday uh, with a statement to say the president is not anti-British. This was off the back of some comments that he, in fact, hated the UK. What do you make of that comment? How will it be received in the UK? And what does it say about the state of US-UK relations now? And I think it tells you there's still some tension in there. Um, and we know that that tension exists. President Biden's been very clear that he wanted the British government to do more to resolve the Brexit issue, to do more to shore up uh, peace in Northern Ireland uh, and, the, and the workings of the Good Friday Agreement, um, to the extent that there would be no trade deal with the United States, the UK, which is hugely important for the UK. So that pressure existed. Um, we obviously don't know what he said with the British Prime Minister. We do know that uh, certainly there have been rumourings that this conversation with the British Prime Minister yesterday morning in Belfast was, was not some big... Uh, in-depth conversation. The, the State Department was trying to play it down. The White House was trying to play it down to a degree. Um, so there's a clear, there is a clear amount of frustration there. And I think there's a, probably a sense from the President that actually the government needs to do more to convince the DUP Democratic Unionist Party to get back into government, that there's more they could do. Uh, one of the other things I noticed, because one of the criticisms I suppose when a US President comes to Ireland is that we tend to doff the cap. And yet he said repeatedly that this is an equal partnership. This is a relationship where there are mutual benefits. Now, we can see those benefits quite clearly here in Ireland with all of the US investment. Do they actually see that benefit in the US, do you think? I, I think perhaps for the majority of people, perhaps not. But I think there would be people in the, you know, who would consider themselves Irish Americans, and we're told that's perhaps one in ten of the population that would understand where he's coming from, that that recognise that that family, friends, the the home country, um, is actually engaged in a huge amount of business. It is. I think the figure was given today of Ireland being the ninth uh, largest country or largest amount of investment of a country into into United States businesses. I think seven hundred companies was the quote. So it's not insubstantial. Does, do Americans all pick up on that? Uh, perhaps not. How much are they tuning in to this particular yeah. visit? Perhaps not too much, is but it, it will resonate. Is it receiving an awful lot of coverage in the United States? And if so, what is that coverage actually focused on? So it's been focused on the details. Certainly we're in Northern Ireland. Uh, I can say for us, the, the story was coming right at the top of the hour. I think uh, perhaps today it's been coming a few minutes past the hour. But that's because there are other big stories. So it is playing. It is playing high. Certainly the focus, I think, had been on the family ties, the family connection, the emotional journey for him. But, but I think there's been also focus on the substance. But there are other stories that are breaking through at the moment. So it's not the biggest trip the president's done. I wonder, does it have 
the same electoral sway with voters in the US now because I suppose the profile of those who would have voted Democrat, the Irish Americans who would have voted Democrats, those strongs, Catholics, that's changing, isn't it? Absolutely, it's changed quite rapidly. And more to the point, you know, Irish America is not a homogenous entity backing the Democratic Party anymore. Uh, Irish Americans are just as likely to be Republican conservatives as they are to be uh, left of center Democrats. So that's a, a, a pronounced change in American society in a small space of time. But what Irish America is representative of, I suppose, is Catholic America more broadly. And I think many of the things that Joe Biden has said on this trip were absolute appeals to Catholic America, in particular, the biggest, the fastest growing segment of Catholic America, which is Latinos. And even today, he was drawing parallels between the Latino experience and the Irish experience in the United States. Uh, one of the lighter moments in this speech today was his reference to his age. Again, something that he gets a lot of criticism for, that he is perhaps too old to be the leader of the free state. But I thought he dealt with it quite cleverly, didn't he? Yes, he said, you know, with, with age comes experience and no room for excuses, which I think when you diffuse things, when you make light of it, when you're self-deprecating, it's actually a real page out of Ronald Reagan's book. Ronald Reagan once said, I will not exploit my, my opponent's age and lack of experience when he was running for president. So I think if Biden deals with it that way, it's a really, really it diffuses a lot of the issues that some people, including some Democrats, have with him seeking re-election. He also um, spoke about it being at the end of his career. But that's at odds of what he said to, before he came here, isn't it? And I'm wondering if how, how much of what he is, is seeing while he's in Ireland, in particular this conversation that he's having about values, values, values. He keeps saying that. Is that a nod to the electorate in the U.S.? I am a person of value. Absolutely. And I think his repeated reference to human dignity is something that is a, a very much a, in Catholic doctrine is very much there. And indeed, he, Joe Biden comes from a certain part of Catholic Rome, uh, of American Catholicism, a more left of center Catholicism with a focus on social justice. That's definitely going to be to the fore if he seeks reelection. I know you also picked up on that, too, didn't you, uh, Nick, this focus on the word dignity? Why do you think he chose that? Why is that important to him? You know, I think it's it's a value that he cherishes. He, I think a lot of his speech today was about the values that, that he cherishes. So I, I, I think that's where it came from. I think a lot of what we heard today really came from the heart. Uh, and, and that was part of it, lessons he'd learned that he feels from his roots. And does he feel that there are, are values here in Ireland that perhaps he isn't seeing in the US anymore? I was really struck by the comment that he made that, that, that Ireland's voice is important and, and, and should be heard. Uh, this idea that uh, Ireland has moral authority. I mean, that almost to me, you, when the president of America says you, your country has moral authority, is he saying to us, I feel that perhaps I don't quite have or my country doesn't quite have that moral authority? Is, is this part of him again sort of glossing over, uh, you know, his sort of knowledge and memory of Ireland and, and making it rosier than perhaps it is? Um, and this is something, that, again, that he cherishes. Overall, do you think this visit, um, which is, of course, finishing up tomorrow, will be seen as a success by this president? I think so far, yes. And part of me says that the most important part, I think, is the Good Friday part. Um, that's vital. He vitally believes in that. And the feedback from Jeffrey Donaldson, the leader of the uh, uh, Democratic Unionist Party, yesterday seemed to infer yesterday that he'd got that balance right. Now, he didn't upset that balance, and that was the most important thing. Has he upset it today by, by, by comments and, and, and pictures that have been taken? Possibly. But yesterday it was right. 
So I think that was good. Okay, uh, finally, Larry, there was so much talk about, you know, his sense of Irishness, how important this relationship uh, is to him. It, it, it's profound and I think it's genuine. I think it's honest. But there was one thing that wasn't mentioned at any point over the last two days, and that is the status of the undocumented Irish in the U.S. Yeah, and it's something that's usually important to all of us Irish Americans and something that's usually important to the future of our special relationship. Emigration is slowed, is slowed to a trickle, largely because of restricted, restrictive immigration laws. Uh, I think it's really important for Irish American politicians to recommit themselves to that agenda, even though it's very difficult to get anything done on immigration uh, on Capitol Hill. It's still a really really important issue. Okay, Larry Donnelly and Nick Robertson, thank you so much for joining us and for that analysis this evening. Uh, we'll be back here in Dublin Castle a little later in the programme, but for now, it's back to you in studio, Claire. Kira, thank you for that. Well, for more on this now, I'm joined by broadcaster Stephen Byrne, Minister of State Anne Rabbit, Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould and Euronews Europe correspondent Shona Murray. You're all very welcome along to our panel uh, tonight. Um, I want to come to you first, Minister Anne Rabbit, because, and to you, Thomas Gould, of course, because you were both in Leinster House for the Biden address, um, which will go down as being historic. Did it, feel, did, it, did it feel historic? Did it feel very significant to be there today? How would you describe the atmosphere and the response that his speech got? Uh, absolutely, and I think it really started off with a round of applause the, the immediate reception when he came in to the chamber. Um, I've never sat in a more fuller chamber in, in the, the last six years I was there. It was... Um, yeah, Shona Farrell made a joke about that, actually. He could yes, use some did. of Biden's uh, <laughs> tips to get everyone uh, attending the doll. But it, it, was, it was. It was actually emotional as well because he drew on a lot of the values um, that your commentators are just after speaking about their possibilities, hopes, value, mm. dignity. Uh, and at the same time, he kept reaching back to his roots but looking forward as well, there was also a, there was a there was a sad part. You know, when he talked about his son, he said, "It's my son that should be standing here in front mm -hmm. of you," uh, and that, that there was another part of seeing a little bit more behind the man that was in front of us, giving us an insight about he would have been such a proud father if it was his son that was there, mm -hmm. but he's now in front of us. Was there anything he said or that he addressed that surprised you in any way? Um, he seems to be following similar themes in his speeches as he, you know, referring to his roots and then referring to this theme of, of, of values and the Irish values and the US values. Was there anything else that stood out to you as being, you know, a little bit different or a little off script there? No, I, I actually think it put Ireland into a really very front to centre stage. I felt very proud to be Irish and I felt that he was actually making that stage of that platform very broad for, for Ireland, to be quite honest with you. That's what I, what I took from it. I also thought the thumb signal he gave to Jerry Buttermer in relation to the undocumented mm. when Jerry brought that mm. up was really appreciated. Uh, Thomas, um, for you and on your side of the House, it just seemed like, you know, a, a doll unified um, for, for the address by the US president. Is that how, how you saw it all? Yeah, you can actually feel the history in the chamber. Like, this is my first time as a TD and the atmosphere that was there and the way he spoke, he spoke with... Um, it was a really personal speech, a lot of it, you know, and the very start when he kind of, kind of made a reference to his mother and I know my mother died, God rest his soul, and when I began to die, it was the first person I thought about. And when he made that reference today, I could get that, you know. And then he talked about... I have a lot of friends all over the world, especially in the States, who went away, and he made a reference in the speech about how his family, his ancestors and Barack Obama left Ireland within five weeks of each other. Mm. And the two went on to become presidents. 
And he, he mentioned about the possibility. Mm. Uh, and, like, when you look at all the Irish people who've travelled, and Stephen was in Australia, the possibility that, you know, listen, a lot of people they didn't work out for. But to look at a president of the United States, an Irish man, pro mm. to his toes to be Irish, it was really positive. And when you think about the input that America has mm. in relation to the Good Friday Agreement, and that's something we really need to build on now. Yeah. Um, Shona, you know, the, it's, the power of the Irish-American story here was, was really um, played out and has been played out throughout this visit so far by Joe Biden. And we do make kind of light of, of the cheesiness and, you know, the paddywhackery or whatever that goes with it. But do you think behind it all, like, I think people may have been struck, I was certainly struck in that speech, of, of the sort of power he seemed to... or, or the, the, the hold Ireland seems to have over him as a US president and maybe the power that we maybe hold um, behind that while he is in uh, the White House. Do you think it goes further than being just, you know, friends and allies, that there is real power that we hold as a small nation. Well, obviously, the US. I mean, Ireland, Irish people have been going to the US for 200 years, for hundreds, mm. for such a long time. And he said the Irish built America because of the famine. And essentially, you know, policies of Britain over the past couple hundred years, you know, the chickens are coming home to roost because our diaspora was one of the most important things that we have in terms of, you know, our soft power abroad. And it's not just soft power, because look at the amount of people who claim Irish heritage, 31 million to 40 million in the US, the Irish, or the American presidents, Biden and Kennedy. Um, but also if you look at the team that Biden has, I mean, they're all, a lot of them are Irish Americans as well. They know the um, Good Friday Agreement inside out. I mean, Amanda Sloat, uh, who is his uh, uh, national security advisor for Europe, she did her PhD in Northern Ireland, um, so they know the detail of it, which is why the Biden administration has been so supportive in ensuring that the UK didn't use the Brexit and the Good Friday Agreement against Ireland, that ensured that Ireland wasn't sort of siphoned off throughout the process, that Ireland was defended, that he was able to say there's no trade deal, there's no support if you do this to something that America is so proud of. Remember, it's one of the biggest foreign policy achievements of the United States is the Good Friday Agreement. And, you know, the point from the Biden administration is don't mess with it. So yeah. it's much, much, much bigger and stronger than the Paddy Wackery stuff. It's much more important to people who have a heritage and ancestry that they want to find out about. It's about part of their soul too. And there was a clearly defined message there as well. And it was mentioned, um, you know, by, by, by Kira's um, discussion earlier on um, with, with Larry Donnelly and Nick Robertson just about the message that Joe Biden was giving to the UK and all of this at this time. You know, what will the government take from that? And how, how may that be you know, used now and, I suppose, used to bring about getting Stormont back up and running. And, and do you think that something will come of this? Because his speech in the North was, was, fairly, was fairly brief. It was sort of, you know, it was soft enough. Do you think something more I, will I come actually do, to be quite honest with you. And I think when he referenced back to Joe Kennedy and he being his appointee in Northern Ireland and also the fact about that investment, that mm. opportunity, that possibility is there waiting for when you get up and running and you get your establishment back working. Um, that that relationship can be so much stronger. We've seen how Ireland benefited, which is what he said in yeah. his speech. And, and He's what, also saying, I'll invest once you get yes, back. Yes, absolutely. So, that was what he was saying. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you know, it is a really big week diplomatically. Do you think that, you know, people care, the younger generation um, in particular, they recognise it as something that's, you know, important? 
I think so. I th- I've seen obviously a few jokes online about the paddywhackery stuff and all of that, but I think we have to remember because I have a lot of friends in America. I was over there last week actually, and they all claim back to to where they came from. My friend's Colombian. She went. She actually just came back from Colombia when I visited her, and seeing how much pride she had to just mm. have been home to where her ancestors were from really brought it home seeing him today here. But I think the greatest kind of um, thing to look at with Biden is where we've come from over the last number of years. Him just being in office is a little bit calmer, a little bit nicer, and a little bit safer than where we were a couple of years ago. And I think a lot of young people would look on the way he's acted while he's been here compassionately, especially I saw, um, I think it was yesterday, he was in Dundalk, was he? Mm-hmm. He was in a pub and he was talking to a group of people and there was a Ukrainian guy and he said, oh, I'm from Ukraine. He gave him his moment, but then he went to visit and meet his mom. And then he went over to mm. her and she said that her husband had just passed away. And he started to talk about his wife who had passed away. It showed a real man, someone with yeah. empathy, someone with compassion yeah. that um, we have really not seen in the US presidency for a number of years. Yeah, and in a way, uh, I suppose we look at this, uh, you know, and a very strong Irish-American, mm. you know, heritage and all of that coming from Joe Biden. But is it potentially the last of it? Like you spoke of his predecessor, Trump, who may be his successor. Uh, like, we, we don't know what that's way scary. that's going to play out. Well, US politics in general is a nightmare yeah. at the moment when you look at the Marjorie Taylor Greens and the, the Lauren Boberts and all those sort of people. So it is an absolute mess over there mm. when it comes to uh, everything that's happening. So to see that he is at the helm for me personally is... Uh, it's, it's, I was comparing it today to Frank Lampard taking over Chelsea. I don't know if anybody can take <laughs> yeah. that as a... But it's a disaster at Chelsea at the moment. So they've literally put Fran, uh, Frank Lampard in for a little bit to just ease it out. Yeah, let it be so okay. that's, he's, he's just, offering... Okay, he's just so, there for now. Okay, <laughs> right. He's, to it. I think if you look at people like Brendan Boyle and, yeah. and others, you know, uh, Joe Kennedy, they, they're young people. They still, you know, they, hopefully it'll be everlasting or enduring the relationship between Ireland and the UK. And again, the Good Friday Agreement is part of that because yeah. it's known mm-hmm. as a successful foreign policy um, initiative by the United States. So when you have younger people who buy into it as well, I think it'll keep it going. We don't know, obviously, Biden is pretty extraordinary in his support for Ireland. I mean, this is the the, the longest he's spent on any trip outside the US, four days, and definitely the smallest country which has hosted it. Notwithstanding that, um, Thomas, there would be people who would, you know, be obviously very politically critical of the US and the US foreign policy. And while um, Joe Biden talked about, you know, um, Ireland carrying, you know, the, the moral, you know, moral clarity or moral weight and moral authority. Um, you couldn't necessarily align the US as no. being in the same, you know, peacekeeping arena, could you? And, well, and how does that sit with us? Well, I think that, that question and where we are today are two different things. I think the Irish people really welcome the visit. I think... And I, I think one of the main points that we're taking out the visit is the Good Friday Agreement and mm. his commitment, his administration's commitment to it. And like, let's not uh, uh, let's not underestimate the danger the Good Friday Agreement could be in if we don't get buy-in from the English government, sure. British government, you, and the DUP. But, so, but on the wider thing, do you think there is room? Um, the, there, there is room for criticism or room for that discussion. It's something kind of we brought up. You know, we had people before profit. I don't think he turned up yeah. today. Um, they would have their own viewpoint on it. But just like how, how we are perceived in all of this as strongly, it's like the US representative in Europe to all mm. intents and purposes. That's how it came well, across I, today. I, I think a lot of people are very... Like, the, the, the Americans have a lot to... to, to their, their foreign policy, they've made a lot of mistakes and a lot of decisions I wouldn't agree with. Mm. But in relation to our relationship with them, 
It needs to be positive, constructive. And I respect people before profit and Richard Boyd Barrett and the stance they took today. And that's their stance, and I respect that. But we also have to look at where we are coming as a country. I think you're right, though. I mean, it's, it's not... Because I think one of the, pro the problems they have is in relation to Israel and Palestine, because obviously the, the Irish government's foreign policy is very much to take to support the Palestinians and the, the, the two-state solution. And America has a policy, particularly under Trump, uh, to very much side with Israel mm -hmm. against the two-state solution and the, and the rights of Palestinians. And as we see things situation deteriorating really badly in, in that area, obviously there are questions in relation to America's support and not being an independent broker. And I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if Michael D. Higgins had, might have said that to him because he's a big supporter of the Palestinians. Yeah. But I think right now what's happening is we have this totalitarian war on our border where, you know, it, it's very important that these, I suppose, the transatlantic relationship in the West sticks together. I think that's kind of the point of it. But there's definitely um, room for uh, to have conversation and about maybe, American foreign maybe policy. Maybe conversations that did happen behind the scenes mm. um, at Orson Uthron, we, we don't know that you may find out, but lots more coming up after the break, including why so many talented young people are leaving Ireland. Stay with us. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back. Well, President Biden's visit has again highlighted US-Irish relations and his roots here in Ireland and our story of emigration. But it's a reality that continues today and young people are still leaving Ireland's shores to travel abroad in search of adventure, a better standard of living maybe, and for many, cheaper living arrangements because of the housing crisis. Well, my panel has stayed on with me um, and I want to come to you first, Stephen, on all of this because you're someone for whom this story is real. You know, Joe Biden is talking about his yeah. great-great-grandfather um, and, and roots in Louth and in Mayo. But for you, you're someone who's made, who made that decision. Um, and we know, you know, from you're, you're, you're a radio presenter, you're a documentary maker, but you left a full-time job to go to Australia Tell us about that decision and, and if it was an easy one for you. It definitely wasn't easy. Having I've worked here for 14 years with RT, so that was obviously a, a difficult thing to, to move away from and go somewhere where absolutely nobody knew nothing about me. Um, but it was something I just felt like I needed to do. I, I felt like partly maybe to do with the pandemic a little bit and, mm. and, and those few years. I felt like the city of, of Dublin and, and maybe even wider parts of the country had just lost a bit of its soul. And I just didn't feel... Like I didn't had much hope here anymore yeah. in any way, and that's coming from me. Who you know, I've had a, a full time job for, been lucky enough, very fortunate to have a full time job since I was eighteen. But I just didn't feel 
like I saw a future uh, in any way. And, and a lot of that obviously has to do with the housing crisis. A lot of that has to do with, you know, thinking, will I ever own a home? Is that something that I'll ever do? I'm single, you know, am I going to be living with three other people to, until mm -hmm. my mid-40s? Is that a future that I, I, I see ahead for me? Um, and a number of my friends were leaving. I've had so many friends who've gone all across the world, Amsterdam, I have loads of friends in London now over the last three years. Uh, and then obviously there's been a huge influx of people running off to Australia over the last 12 months. Yeah, and do you think what's happened is that it goes beyond a frustrated generation that actually because of the situation here with um, the rental crisis, mm -hmm. with the housing situation and that sense that you can't see yourself settled with your own home or feeling yeah. stable, that that's... That's stalled, and that is stalling people's ambitions. Do you think that's what's happening? Yeah, completely. Um, and it goes even beyond that, even just day-to-day -day life. Looking at, you know, every weekend that I was having seemed the same. Uh, every single, you know, time I went out of the house seemed like something was closing down or, you know, being turned into a hotel even as well in mm. some regards. It felt like the city of Dublin was just losing so much, like I said, of its identity and soul. And You're, you're, you're back now, temporarily. <laughs> temporarily. for good. Yeah, are, no. you still, are you still feeling weeks, that yeah. way? Do you feel? Because yeah. you mentioned about the pandemic there and I think a lot of people felt maybe, got, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck here, I can't get yeah. out and the minute I can, I will. I'm going to go. But yeah. do, you, do you feel a sense of that, that it's... I knew um, that I was coming back. It's, it's, it's still a place that's a, a frustrating place to live. Yeah, it really is. My, my sister and her husband are, are looking to buy a house at the moment. It's been an absolute nightmare. They've been looking for over a year and a half and they've been struggling so much with that. I've had three friends who have uh, been served their eviction notice as well um, in the last couple of weeks, which is... That's a lot for, yeah, well, for you to know three people. Even beyond that, I, looking at Twitter, like friends of friends um, who know other people. I thought one of my friends yesterday put something up on Twitter about a friend of theirs who has... Uh, two children and mm. they're being evicted mm -hmm. and I thought it might have been the person that I knew but it, I messed them with someone completely different and it just kind of cast that wider net and then also there was a big part of it was I didn't feel as safe here as mm -hmm. I used to we had a, a real lovely buzz honeymoon buzz after the the marriage equality referendum and it felt you know like the the country was moving forward in a great way but in the last six months alone I've had three friends who have been beaten up on the streets of Dublin yeah. On Saturday night, my friend was uh, confronted on Dame Street with uh, a crowbar. Like, when you look at those things, I, I wouldn't feel as comfortable walking down the street in Dublin now holding yeah. my partner's hand because I just don't feel like it, it, it's a safe place to be as, as much as I, I, I maybe convinced myself it was at a point five or six years ago. Mm. Anne Rabbit, when you hear that, it sounds like it's no country for young people. There's there's two sides to there's two parts to that. I'm sorry you had that experience because I think none of us um, would would condone any of that sort of behaviour. Nobody should feel unsafe walking down the street um, with their partner anywhere, be it in Dublin or any part of the country. Um, and that's unfortunate, and that's that's really sad. And I I would hate my three children um, would have that sort of experience as they're getting older mm -hmm. and going out to to live and work in the country. Um, we are investing a lot in, into housing. There's four billion a year going into it, and it's not happening I feel quick like enough. I hear that though, and I it's know. Just like, is it? But the like... houses. It's Can happening. You see how what Stephen is saying. He doesn't. Oh, I do feel, absolutely. He doesn't, he doesn't feel safe. That's one thing. He doesn't feel secure. Yes, he doesn't feel secure, secure and I think it will resonate. With, if not, a lot of people might be sitting comfortably at home, but their children mightn't be, or maybe their children are mm. still at home with them in the box room. It doesn't affect everyone equally in this country, but for certain people, and certainly for the younger generation... Yeah. It was also, it, for me, it was when Varadkar said the grass is 
isn't always greener. I think he said the grass is greener if people think it is when they go abroad to Australia or you'll get the same you know, price of rents over there. I fell into a, a, a house pretty easily over in Sydney and you know, I'm paying maybe a little bit more than I was mm. paying here, but for the, what I'm paying for over there, I'm getting a 10 times better than what I got here. So we hear these so, stories. We hear these stories. Mm. Stephen's story isn't a new story, Anne. And, no. and the, the, the question is, are the politicians really listening? Are they understanding? Absolutely. Do you understand? I do. I certainly do understand. And I don't believe um, um, that the grass is by any means what green did you, in this okay, country. What did you think of that, that comment? And it was, I don't it was agree with that comment, ago, but to be was... honest with you. So that's that. I just don't. Um, I do believe that we have a lot to do here to make that grass green, to make it appealing for people to come home. Mm. Um, and we do need to actually continue doing the policy piece that we're on. Building, building. And I, I know you're probably tired of hearing it, as are all your mates, uh, as are my kids. We will get it. Yeah, but we'll what about evictions then? I mean, that would be that would be. I mean, look, that would be a classic example. Then we're building, but at the same time, we're hearing so many stories, and you know, it's it's families, it's individuals who have been served notice to leave a rental accommodation, and, and that's why we would have bought in the the tenant in situ scheme. That's why we're trying to protect families. Right. There was no denying that. That is what we're trying to do. That wasn't there uh, uh, six weeks ago. It's there now. The tenant in situ. Do yeah. I, 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 look, I guess the point is it wasn't there six weeks ago. No, and, but, but and we're trying that, to get there. To be honest, Thomas, on, on this, we're building, we're building, we're building, and says we do care. The tragedy is today. Seven families contacted me to say they got notices to quit. Some were this month, some were next month, some were September, October. There was one young woman who mm. sent me an email, a, a beautiful email, the way it was worded. She graduated from UCC last October. And she says she doesn't know how. She never saw her being in this position today. I had a man who contacted me. Mm. He's a separated father with joint custody of his kids. And he know will go into emergency accommodation and his, his children won't see his father. And all this goes down to lifting the ban on evictions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something that must be reversed. Yeah. And for people out there, like in Cork alone, just to give you a scale of the problem, in Cork City Council's meeting the other night, they said we have 47 units for emergency accommodation and there's 167 families looking for them. No, sure. right now. So, I mean, when we talk about the emigration, and, and Stephen said, you know, it wasn't just, and it's not just that the housing issue, although that, I guess that's at the backbone of feeling stable and secure and you have a future, but there are other elements too that a generation just feels like, you know, I'm not getting a huge amount out of mm. this country. What more do you think that Sinn Féin would offer? And, and look, we recognise that the housing crisis is a big factor and affordability is a big factor for people wishing to move away. But beyond that, what, what do you think Sinn Féin would like to do that would change the lives of young people and make them want to stay here? See, there's a few things. Fundamentally, having a roof over your head, having stable, secure accommodation is the first thing. We have 750,000 people renting. There was a person who worked for Sinn Féin recently left to go to Australia. And I asked him why. He was nine years old at college, degree, and he said, Tommy, I'm here now. After nine years, I'm in the exact same position I was when I came out of college. I have to go to Australia. What we would do is we would give young people hope. We need to keep young people here. I mean, hope is the word. Look, we heard it from Joe Biden today. I mean, hope is the, the big political word, isn't and it? If you... But, I mean, the reality of actually doing that, is there, is there a cultural shift? Is there something that needs to happen? Um, I don't know, uh, Shannon, what do you think? Like, we hear this story. Do you think it's a story that we hear 
emulated that happens in other European cities as well, the brain drain. Well, um, not, not in any way to the same extent. I mean, certainly there are Italy. issues around housing in, in European cities, in the Netherlands, even a little bit in Brussels. But I mean, if you look at Belgium, it's a country half the size of Ireland, twice the population. And you can still, um, there are lots of people that go over there to do their work experience. So they're students mm -hmm. the age of 18. They can get a flat in, in the centre of Brussels, a major European city, no problem, afford to live there. I mean, it's sort of an ideological thing. The fact that even now in the housing crisis, there are blocks of apartments being bought off by investors that aren't available to the average person, to a single person, to couples, to families. It still doesn't exist. And we've known that this, this problem this is going to be a problem for the past, you know, almost a decade that, that we've had a, house, a housing issue. Ireland has been talking about FDI for in the past few years. We, we do really well in it. When Brexit happened, um, a lot of the uh, EU agencies, the medicines agency, were, Ireland was hoping that they would come to, our, to Ireland from the UK, 900 people. We, we couldn't house them. That was back in 2016. And things have and actually to be deteriorated. Honest, Fushuna, to be very fair, Dara O'Brien is only the minister for the last two and a half years. And to be fair to him, for the last two and a half years, he has put a, a string of measures in place. And we're starting to see supply. Last year, we can see our supply. Sure. And we need that to focus, continue on, on, a, on an annual basis. Is the focus in the right place? And we talked about, you know, who we're focusing and who the housing is actually for. So are it sort of these... You know, fancy, expensive, high rent apartments going up for people like like Stephen. Or who who are they being? Who are they? Who are those homes being created for? There's homes being created like for... in the 18 year old student who's over. You know, and wants mm. to stay here. Can new nursing graduates or teachers? Just come out of college and actually they're desperate for the them in Dublin schools. That's exactly why Dara's put in the cost now rental. They, now they can't live, they can't live in Dublin. Yeah. But that's why he has put in the cost rental and that's why there's so many extra apartments. But, but there's, also, there's, there's also apartments being built for, for students. There is being homes and affordable uh, um, homes being built for... Loads of student blocks went into Airbnb and everything yes. during the pandemic yeah, but, but, as well, which but, but, is another but, issue we're having. It, it, absolutely, and don't disagree with you, but it's bringing all those back into it and it's also creating more of them. And Actually, it's not just an urban issue. Housing is a rural issue as well. And that mm. is why we have the Cree Conaha scheme. So as we can actually del delve with all those okay. um, closed up all buildings. Right. The other thing is it's a safety issue. I mean, you're, you're right about that. I mean, there, there's, there's an element of soullessness around and there's a toxicity when you look at those uh, protests, the anti-immigration ones, Absolutely. the abuse against LGBT. There is, there's, you're right not to feel as safe as you do because you hear too often about attacks on gay people and other people around Dublin. You don't see that as much in other cities. And, I, you know, that is also a concern. Maybe there's a hopelessness because of the housing crisis. But there's certainly, you know, there is a, a soullessness that exists in, in Dublin at the moment that is quite pervasive. Uh, Stephen, I just want to bring you in just on what... Um, because we... Look, on, on say, the, the housing issue, and yeah. just because to get you to respond to what Anne-Robert is saying, that what the government is saying is, look, we're building, we do care, cost rental... We care about people who, you know, don't have like buckets of money and just want to live and live a good life. Um, you know, do you do you do you buy it? Sounds like the same thing we've heard for the last ten years. <laughs> In many ways, I was looking at uh, my first ever rental, which was ten years ago with my friend Faye. We paid fifteen hundred euro for it, which at the time all my friends were like, "What? That's so expensive." It was on the market for two thousand eight hundred euro recently. That's a 1,300 euro increase in the space of nine years, which is bonkers when you think about it, especially, obviously, in inflation and, and loads of things have changed the cost of things. But the thing about it, Claire, is, like, at the moment, and no disrespect to the Minister, um, we're talking about hearing things being delivered. 
the figures are so low for mm. cost rental and affordable houses that anyone could deliver. No disrespect, myself, Stephen and Sean, could go out and deliver the government's targets. They're so low, right? And the thing about it here is, it's about... The government talk about, Darrell Bray talks about delivering 30,000 mm. houses last year. Well, every, everyone who knows anything about housing knows we need to be at least 50,000. So the figures are setting, the, the minister is the setting the figures so Listen, low that we, they have to reach them. But the problem is that won't clear. All right. We have to leave the conversation here for now, uh, but that conversation is not going away. It will all be back in focus next week. And when Joe Biden has gone home um, and the doll is back and sitting and housing will certainly be back to the forefront. Um, but my thanks to Stephen, to Thomas um, and to Shona. Um, we'll leave that conversation there for now, but lots more coming up after this break, including more from Dublin Castle and a look ahead to President Biden's trip to Mayo. Welcome back. We can return now to Dublin Castle and to Kira, who's standing by. Kira. Thanks, Claire. Yes, I am live here at Dublin Castle, where President Joe Biden was being treated to a state banquet this evening. They should be probably on their tea and coffee at this point, but they will have enjoyed Lambay Island crab cake with asparagus to begin. A roast saddle of lamb is the order of the day for the main course. And for dessert, pear and maple syrup, mousse tart, tea and coffee, and a little Riesling on the side, if you fancy a tipple. John Lee, executive editor of the Daily Mail, will we get leftovers at least? We got chicken curry in the press centre, you must have missed that, <laughs> and dairy milk and tato were handed out all over the place. And I can assure the kids at home a few dairy milks were in the bag. OK, so look, we but didn't get quite the same got. treatment, but I think uh, the President uh, deserved maybe a bit more than, than tato and a bag of crisps. Uh, is this an opportunity for the President to sit back and relax this evening, do you think, after a very busy day? I think he's he's been at enough political uh, dinners down the years and he's he's a politician to probably not relax till he gets back to his hotel at the Conrad. But um, he seemed to enjoy himself all day. He was extremely relaxed, a lot more charismatic in, in, in person, uh, more so than when I saw him as vice president. I think that aura of the presidency around him exudes power. But he was... Um, he spoke movingly again at the banquet tonight, as, as he did in Dáil Éireann, where I could see a few glistening eyes around the chamber. I think in, a, in the cynical world of politics in, and the depth of cynicism to which his opponent, Donald Trump, had dragged American politics of late, it was inspiring today how he spoke at the dinner. This evening he, sp he acknowledged uh, Mark Shriver, the, the, grand, sorry, the nephew of John F. Kennedy, who was, in the, who was in the room this evening and pointed out that he had been here in his mother's womb Pam Kennedy's womb, Pam Kennedy Shriver, in, in 1963. So he, he, he spent the day giving evocative images of Irish America that I think touched a chord with everyone. Yeah, he put a lovely phrase in his speech at the banquet um, this evening, which is, the world can count on Ireland. And the theme of immigration was brought up time and time again today in Joe Biden's address, in Leo Varadkar's address this evening, particularly around uh, the war in Ukraine, and again in, in uh, Sean O'Farrell's uh, statement. There, the, he made constant references to our support of, um, of Ukraine, that we've given over £170 million in non-lethal aid, he mentioned in the doll and referred to it again this evening. But he seems to get, certainly my, my experience today, the, the Irish condition and our, our deep attachment to, to immigration, our deep attachment to the United States. And he referred this evening again to his, his, his ancestors, I'm not sure how far we went back, great, 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 great grandparents leaving famine struck Ireland. 
and again that seemed to stri strike the crowd um, th this evening in Dublin Castle that here is a man who understands our connection with America and, and what brought us there which will and be the oppression the that brought us there tomorrow when he visits Ballina briefly what we expect from that visit well, the, the miracle of Knock that uh, Monsignor Horan um, built there at the airport will come to, I'm sure the Monsignor may look down from above to see a jumbo jet landing at Knock, which will be Air Force One. He'll then go to the Mayo Heritage Centre, which is a genealogical aspect to it, where he can look at some of the uh, details of his, of his Mayo past, the Bluets. He will then go on to Ballina and he'll speak at St Murdoch's Cathedral and um, will be accompanied by the Chieftain's Sands, sadly, Paddy Maloney. He'll again give an address, there'll be some repetition, but he will refer again to the shared values of the, of the United States and Ireland, which he's repeatedly referred to over the time of this trip. All right, John Lee, we'll have to leave it there, but I know you're going to discuss that in more detail. So it's back to you in studio, Claire. Here, thank you for that. Anne Rabbit is still here with me. And Anne, you will be in Ballina tomorrow. You'll be among um, a big group going. In fact, everyone is going, am I right? Everyone wants to tag on to the very last element of this uh, US visit. Well, I'm sure our senior politicians definitely will be there, um, but so will the, the Oireachtas members um, from the West. And we're delighted to see it's not completely a Dublin-centric um, event. It's coming west, it has been allowed. So it's fantastic to think that Air Force One will, will, will land in Knock Airport tomorrow, the centre being in Ballina and also visiting Knock Shrine. So we're very proud from the west of Ireland that the President of the United States is coming west. Yeah, and what are you expecting to be a bit different? We got a special loud welcome and he did the walk about um, uh, through the streets of Dundalk and he went into, you know, a local shop and then he went to the pub and he did all that. What, what do you think that the taste of the West will bring? Um, well, hopefully the weather will be good because they didn't have that in loud. So that would be a, a that good... Be one that up, would be one-up, That it? would be one-up at least anyways. But look, at it, it, the, the people in, in Mayo and surrounding counties will come out to meet the president tomorrow evening, be it in Knock or be it in, down in Mayo. And I know that the ambassador is also promoting it as well, the US ambassador, for people to watch it online. Mm. Um, look, at it's a great setting where it is in Mayo. The moil will be right flowing, the lights will be on and, and there'll be a great Irish welcome forum. Are you expecting anything uh, significant in that speech tomorrow? There is uh, hints at a possible uh, announcement of a, a rerun for the presidency, but then again, that uh, maybe not likely to happen. But you, you haven't you haven't been given a heads up at all or an indication. No, of but wouldn't it be a great place to announce it tomorrow evening? Uh, and wouldn't it be a great message to send out to the Irish community, who would be his voters in the US, um, that he was to launch that tomorrow night in Ballina? OK, so you would personally endorse that, Minister Anne Robert. Uh, thank you for joining us on thank the programme. You. Thank you, in fact, to all my panellists, uh, to all our guests on the show tonight from both here in Dublin Castle. That is it from us and from all the late team here. Good night and take care. We're going to leave you with some of the images of Joe Biden's day in Ireland.